Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome in to Outkick the Show. I'm your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having fantastic Mondays, wherever you may be, even if that includes Cincinnati or San Francisco, where uh, tough losses happened. Although, if you're a Bengals fan, way tougher loss than if you're a 49er fan uh, who was down to your fourth or fifth quarterback by the time that game ended. All right, so let's break down what happened yesterday. AFC-NFC championship games. Uh, And let's start with by far the best game, uh, which was the Bengals on the road against the Chiefs. Now, I understand why Bengals fans feel like they got jobbed in this game, that there was a rig job in effect. Much of the officiating was a mess. And in particular, as I said during the game, The fact that they allowed the Chiefs to run a third down play and then come back out and essentially get a redo and on that redo, the fact that they called a defensive penalty which gave a first down was extremely suspect and I would have been furious if I were a Bengals fan. But the Chiefs still punted on that possession and the Bengals still had multiple opportunities to potentially drive down the field and get a field goal, touchdown, whatever you want to say, uh, and have an opportunity to win that game. So while I understand why Bengals fans are mad, at the end, that was an incredibly bad penalty shoving Patrick Mahomes out of bounds. It had to be called. It was called it was the right choice that was made there. I understand people who say you've got to swallow the whistle because otherwise it would have been a 60-yard field goal with eight seconds left or the Chiefs would have tried to run a play. I understand that argument. You're wrong. That call gets made, should be made, 100 out of 100 times. When you put your hands on the quarterback, I think honestly any player and drive him effectively into the bench, you had uh, the uh, Bengals player wiping out somebody all the way on the sideline at the bench, that's an easy call to make. There's no defending it. It is a penalty. It should have been called. It was called. I don't believe the Chiefs won because of some elaborate rig job that was in effect. I think the Chiefs won because by and large, they were the better team for much of the game. In fact, they never actually had a deficit throughout the course of this game. And if you go back and you look at the stats, um, the Chiefs and the Bengals played a very even game, but the Chiefs had more first downs. Uh, They were better on third down. They ran more plays for more yards. They averaged more yards per play. They were better passing the football. They better protected Patrick Mahomes, even though... Patrick Mahomes was playing on a gimpy ankle and wasn't that mobile. Uh, And so when you break all of this down, they turned the ball over less. They possessed the ball more. Uh, Patrick Mahomes did not 
throw any interceptions, although he had one bad fumble, which allowed this to even be a game. Because I think if the Chiefs had not fumbled, if Patrick Mahomes had not fumbled on that play, they likely would have gone up by double digits. Chiefs are the better team. And I think the Bengals over-talked. The fact that they were trying to claim it was Burrowhead Stadium. The fact that the idiot mayor of Cincinnati came out and said that there needed to be a DNA test to find out whether or not Joe Burrow was Patrick Mahomes' dad. All of that was vastly excessive trash talk. And I thought in the immediate aftermath of that game, the way that Travis Kelsey responded showed how much of those discussions were in the minds of the Kansas City Chiefs as they got ready for this game. And so I think Cincinnati's idiot mayor, and I think, frankly, Bengals fans in general, you were only 1-0, Joe Burrow was, in Arrowhead Stadium, right? Now, you beat Patrick Mahomes two more times in, I guess it's Paul Brown Stadium, right, in Cincinnati, but you're only 3-0. and And Patrick Mahomes is a really good player. So the idea that you were going to trash talk and act as if the Bengals owned the Kansas City Chiefs was, I think, a really bad uh, idea. And as a result, I told you I like the Chiefs. I told you I like the under. We went 2-0 on this game. The one that I got wrong, and I'll wear it, I thought that the 49ers would be more competitive than they were. And honestly, we'll never really know whether the 49ers would have been extremely competitive or not. Because early in this game, Brock Purdy took a hit to his ulnar, basically to his elbow, and wasn't able to throw the football at all. Then they brought in Josh Johnson, who is effectively the fourth-string quarterback, considering you'd already lost Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo. And then Josh Johnson got knocked out, and they had to bring back in Brock Purdy who really couldn't throw the football at all. And so they effectively handed off every single play. And I I shared this on Twitter, but it felt like Christian McCaffrey was Jon Snow unsheathing his sword at the onrushing horde of of the enemy as they rushed towards him. Uh, So uh, to me, this was part and parcel of a failure by the NFL. I've been arguing this for some time. Every NFL team, to me, should have the right to use an emergency third quarterback. And I don't know why the NFL did away with that rule. This is a guy who can stand on the sideline, truly, mostly as an assistant coach. But if you end up with two quarterbacks injured, you could go to the third quarterback. I don't know what we gain other than maybe saving a few dollars by not allowing that player uh, to be able to be out there on the field uh, making a substantial effort uh, to uh, to define uh, what could happen in that game. Because once you got to the Josh Johnson being knocked out and when Brock Purdy couldn't throw the ball, this game was over. Now the under hit, so we won that one. But the Eagles absolutely dominated. Credit to Jalen Hurts. Uh, early miss, I'm sure if you could go back uh, and Shanahan had the opportunity, he should have challenged on the fourth down play, I believe it was, Devontae Smith made a catch down the sideline. Whale of a catch. Counted as a catch. Ball actually appeared to hit the ground. Would have been 49ers possession uh, at decent field position there in a scoreless game. Who knows how the game might have gone from that point forward if Kyle Shanahan had correctly challenged. Maybe you don't end up with the Brock Purdy injury. As a result, the game ends up closer than it did. 
Uh, but this felt like a little kid offense that Kyle Shanahan was uh, left able to run, and there was no success whatsoever. Uh, so, congrats to the Eagles winning the NFC. Chiefs win the AFC. I, along with several people from OutKick, will be out in Phoenix next week. I'm going to go to the game. I'm excited to go to the game. Uh, but I'll be doing my radio show Wednesday, Thursday, Friday from the Phoenix area. And I'll be doing OutKick the show uh, from out there as well. And so I'm looking forward. I think it'll be a really good game. Early read, and I reserve the right to change this as things continue. Uh, but I like the Chiefs. I think Patrick Mahomes wins his second Super Bowl. I like the under. Uh, I think both defenses will play well. And the over-unders around 50 right now is the number that I have seen in the initial uh, in the initial aspect of this game. I know people try to save their predictions. So I'll make a prediction su- closer to kickoff with what the final numbers end up being. Uh, but right now, I like the Chiefs and I like the under uh, in this one. I can't wait to uh, to attend this game. So that was my takeaway from the games that we saw from the Chiefs and the Eagles advancing. Uh, a couple of other stories that are out there. In the world of sports, congratulations to Novak Djokovic, who won the Australian Open to tie Rafael Nadal for most uh, Grand Slam wins of all time. Uh, to me, a really significant accomplishment because Djokovic is back to number one overall. He would have been probably the favorite to win many of the tournaments last year, including the Aussie Open and the U.S. Open, if he had been able to actually compete in those. Instead, they uh, shut him down. They would not allow him to play because of stupid COVID policies, which still exist. Uh, In particular, Novak Djokovic can't get into the United States even now, because we require anyone flying into the country to have evidence that they've gotten the COVID shot, even though we know the COVID shot is essentially worthless. And Novak Djokovic could walk down to the southern border, enter into our country on the southern border, get a ride from Texas up to New York, and theoretically claim asylum and be able to play in the U.S. Open tennis tournament, uh, which is a testament to how broken... American policy is, particularly on immigration, but on COVID as well, that you can cross the southern border on foot with zero COVID uh, test requirements, certainly no COVID shot requirements, but you can't fly into the country as a visitor. So you can illegally enter, stay for years without the COVID shot, but you can't enter for a short period of time if you are Novak Djokovic. This was a failure. I believe that in the years ahead, as more and more of the failures of the COVID shot become apparent, that Novak Djokovic is going to be considered actually a brave and courageous figure in sports. Which is actually what I would say Kyrie Irving, Aaron Rodgers, Novak Djokovic, but particularly Djokovic and Kyrie Irving in particular, have lost a substantial amount of money for their willingness to stand against the stupid and, I believe, unconstitutional and absolutely indefensible COVID shot requirements. Uh, To me, bravery at a minimum, if we're contextualizing it within the world of sports, requires 
either the loss of freedom, which I think being able to work is a form of loss of freedom, or the loss of life, right? True bravery. And what's so funny to me is the mainstream sports media would tell you that it is extremely brave for uh, Colin Kaepernick to have taken a knee, right? But the reality is Colin Kaepernick made far more money off taking a knee than he ever would as a backup quarterback in the NFL. And the reality is Kyrie Irving may well have lost tens of millions of dollars over his COVID shot determination. And certainly, Novak Djokovic may have lost the opportunity to be considered the greatest tennis player of all time because we don't know exactly how all of that is going to shake out. Now, I think he has a good chance to win at the French Open and at Wimbledon. And if he gets to play in the U.S. Open, maybe as well. But he wasn't allowed to do that in the U.S. Open or the Australian Open last year, both of which he would have been favored to win. Now, they ended up having, I don't know how many of you saw on ESPN, John McEnroe said he should have been able to play, basically. This was ridiculous. And Chris Fowler said, well, he made a choice. Yeah, he made a personal health choice that did not allow him to come into the country of Australia. In fact, they banned him from entry, which is absurdly ridiculous. And if it actually made anybody safer, they wouldn't have allowed him in this year. Uh, And they're acknowledging, essentially, that that's a broken policy. But he took the slings and arrows of derision, and he ended up right. And I think there's an analogy here with Muhammad Ali where... At the time that Muhammad Ali refused to fight in the Vietnam War, it was very controversial to make that choice. In later years, it became, when Ali was vindicated, not a very controversial choice. I think that's going to end up happening with Novak Djokovic now that we know these shots don't work and are essentially worthless. Uh, So, uh, props to Novak Djokovic for standing on his own two feet, making his own choice and refusing to be bullied into making a health choice that he did not believe was justified. Uh, Tyree Nichols, uh, huge story out of Memphis on Friday. Let me talk about that in a moment. We'll be right back in a moment, but first, this break. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Five Memphis cops on video beating Tyree Nichols. They have all been charged with second-degree murder. 
Uh, the video was released at 6 p.m. on Friday, Central Time. Thankfully, there was virtually no looting, no rioting, no form of violence in reaction to this video. Uh, partly that is because of the mom, I believe, and the family in general who said that their son would not want for there to be any violence in reaction to this video. Uh, I think Memphis made the right decision. I think prosecutors made the right decision to bring charges against these police. As I tweeted in the immediate aftermath of watching this video, uh, to me, in particular the one that was showing from the lights, uh, these police officers behaved as if this were a gangland beatdown. Um, they were holding him up and allowing officers to take free shots at him. It's criminal behavior, in my opinion. Uh, and charges are warranted, and now a Memphis jury will determine the fate of these police officers. As I have said for a long time, police have an incredibly difficult job, and officers that break the law make that job even more difficult. Just because you have a badge doesn't mean you shouldn't be prosecuted when you do appear to break the law, and that is the case here. So I think Memphis handled everything. I was nervous about the timing uh, of this release right as it was going to be getting dark on a weekend, but thankfully it does not appear there was any violence of a substantial nature that has ensued. Now, that didn't stop the usual suspects at CNN and MSNBC from trying to make this a race-based decision. And let me just continue to say what I have been saying for years. Every single one of us, white, black, Asian, Hispanic, whatever your racial background might be, you are responsible for your own behavior. Your race does not cause you to do anything. It does not make you more or less responsible for something. You are responsible as an individual, whether you are white, black, Asian, Hispanic, gay, straight, male, female, whatever you are, you are responsible for the individual choices that you have made. And I believe one of the great cardinal sins of the 21st century is identity politics, which posits that none of us are individually responsible for our own choices, that there are systemic, larger-scale issues that dictate partially, or maybe even completely, our culpability as it pertains to our actions. I fundamentally disagree. Whether those five Memphis cops were white, black, Asian, Hispanic, of mixed race ancestry, wherever they were from, they committed a crime and they should be prosecuted. And frankly, everyone in the country should react the same way. I actually think the Memphis video of Tyree Nichols was worse than the George Floyd incident. And let me explain why. George Floyd was... The police were called because he was attempting to use a counterfeit bill. So the police were summoned to uh, engage with George Floyd for criminal behavior. So far, there does not appear to have been any criminal behavior at all on behalf of Tyree Nichols that would have justified him being pulled over in the first place. Moreover, if you watch the video of Tyree Nichols, the police are immediately behaving in a way that to me makes it feel like it's personal, okay? Maybe there's going to be more details that come out about this, but the way that they held him up and threw punches 
it felt like, when I say gangland style, gangs typically engage, whether it's the mafia, whether it's a, a biker gang, whether it's an inner city gang, whatever the gang is, they typically engage in acts because oftentimes there has been a personal violation of a code in some way. That's what this felt like in Memphis. Tyree Nichols felt like he was targeted for some reason. He did not commit a crime. There is no evidence that his uh, pullover was ever justified. Why did that happen? I think that's going to come out maybe more so as a trial. It feels like there has to be a motive here that we're not getting to based on the way these officers all behaved. That's my theory. The fact that they beat him the way that they did, to me, felt more personal than what happened to the George Floyd incident. I mean, you remember, if you go back and watch my videos on George Floyd, I said I thought charges could be brought, should be brought, and the race of the officer never mattered. Whether that re- officer was black, white, Hispanic, or Asian, the punishment should have been the same. And I feel the same way about Memphis. But what I will point out is there was no rioting, there was no violent behavior, And I think a big reason in Tyree Nichols' case is because the police officers were black. Because black lives matter. When you really look, black lives matter isn't about black lives at all. Black lives matter is only about the person who takes the black life, right? It's really black lives matter in parenthetical so long as a white person is involved in taking the black life. If there had been five white police officers instead of five black police officers, cities all over America would have burned. And this would be the primary story for months, maybe even the entire year, of how awful and racist America was. Five black police officers, and this story is almost vanishing instantly. Okay? Just want everybody out there to think about this. Why do we only care who takes the life? And why, when 95% of black people die, does no one care at all because the person killing them is black? Think about that. If black lives truly matter, why do they only matter when the person who is involved in the attack is white? Just think about it. That is a really difficult question to ask because what it suggests is the black life doesn't matter at all. Who takes the life is who matters. Isn't that a form of racism itself? Because you're demeaning the person who is killed and elevating the person who killed them as the only thing that matters. It's a really difficult question to answer and also one that very few people will even address because they're afraid of being called racist. But what I would say is whether it was Derek Chauvin or the five police officers in Memphis, why does their race matter at all? If a police officer commits a crime, white, black, Asian, or Hispanic, or there's evidence that they commit a crime, I probably should say, they deserve to be charged with a crime. Until you're convicted of a crime, you haven't been proven to have committed a crime. Why is it the case that the race of the person involved dictates how much of a story it is or how people respond to it? I think that's an important question. But I'm glad that Memphis didn't burn. I'm glad that there wasn't a significant loss of life associated with these protests. And I have to tell you, I also hope 
that we don't take the wrong lesson here. There are hundreds of thousands of police officers out there. Most of them do a really good job. Sometimes they don't. We talked about this on this show and on Clay and Buck in consultation and discussion surrounding the Uvalde situation, right? The police in Uvalde did not do their job responding to defend those kids, and they deserve to be held accountable for their failure. Similarly, the police in Memphis did not do their job. It appears they committed crimes. They've been charged with such, and now it's up to a Memphis jury. Believing in police does not mean that you believe that all police are perfect. Police are humans, and they make mistakes just like every other profession on the planet. When that occurs, and when there is evidence that that occurs, there should be crimes that are brought, regard the charges that are brought, regardless of the alleged race, uh, regardless of the crime, regardless of the race of the alleged perpetrator. Period. That's what needs to happen in this country. Uh, finally, our good friends at CNN have hit a nine-year ratings low. You have to go all the way back to 2014 before Donald Trump even entered politics to find a less watched time on CNN. This confirms what I've been telling you for a very long time. Donald Trump was a sugar high for CNN that led to the destruction of the overall CNN brand. I started watching CNN, like many of you did right now, during the first Gulf War when CNN covered, and it was considered the first ever televised war. Saddam Hussein invades Kuwait. We go back to take Kuwait and also then send Iraq back to its borders. It was riveting, must-see television. Bernard Shaw, I still remember being a kid, watching him report from a hotel in Baghdad as the American bombing began. That was when CNN was at its apex, when it created the brand that it owned news. During Donald Trump's presidency, the run-up to that presidency and the 2016 and 2020 presidential elections, CNN destroyed its brand. It's no longer a trusted news source. People bought in, some tiny minority of them, to CNN as the anti-Trump network. Same thing happened with the Washington Post. Over decades, they built a brand, and over a short period of one president, they destroyed their brand. If I were CNN, if I were CNN, I would try to go back to news, and I think the only way they can go back to news is by hiring people who are honest, that tell the truth, regardless of the politics. I... I've said this before. I'll say it again. If I were running CNN, I would give Megyn Kelly Chris Cuomo's own show. I'd pay whatever Megyn Kelly wants to take over that slot on CNN. I don't think they'll ever do it, but that's the kind of independence you would need to show in order for me to believe CNN is back to being a news network. You can still have opinion programming, but it can't be left-wing, anti-Trump exclusively opinion programming. Uh, That is the choice that I would make if I were CNN I don't think it's an easy job to try to build back the brand of CNN because people now that they brought in as that audience since 2014, they were the anti-Trump network. Those people don't care about CNN. They just became obsessed with Donald Trump. And CNN, I believe, 
allowed itself to become everything they claimed Trump was. All right, I appreciate all of you. My name is Clay Travis, as always. Appreciate all of you checking out Outkick the Show. DBAP unless you need to SBAP. I will be back tomorrow here from Nashville. Good to be home. Had a great time in Vegas, by the way. Appreciate everybody that I met out there, everybody that I saw running all over the place with my kids. We had a really good time. I'm back home until I head out for the Super Bowl all this week. I'll be here. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. Like I said, this has been Outkick Show.